history with the podcast guy, Matt King. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to our podcast. Unfortunately, for some, our topics that we talk about may be offensive to some people. The topics that we discuss could also be triggers, and we want you to be aware of that. If you are in need of help, please talk to a professional, a family member, or a friend. We are not medical professionals, and we don't claim to be. We are just two guys with a microphone and a platform. Please listen with discretion. Welcome to This Time in History, guys. I'm Matthew, and I'm back again for another episode. But before we get started, I just want to let you guys know we're partnering with a new not-for-profit called Triumph Over Trauma. It's an organization that wants to get rid of the red tape and address the serious lack of accessibility to mental health therapy in uh, Ontario. And specifically, I'm, I'm talking about free or affordable mental health therapy in the province of Ontario. So find them on Instagram, and from there you'll find their GoFundMe. Guys, if you could share it, share it with as many people as you can, and let's get the funding together, and let's help the people of Ontario. With me today is she's got an amazing story i can't wait to hear it her name is anissa i hope i said that right orsino (laughs) and she is and she is a survivor but i'm but it's not my story i'm gonna let her tell you guys welcome to the show thank you so much (laughs) so this is fun i know you love survivor stories um and you know i always say that if you had asked me like before May 12th, 2014, what the worst day of my life was, I would not have had any kind of an answer for you. Like, I wouldn't have even, I don't think, had, like, a top five. Um, You know, I had a pretty good thing going. Um, My background is in classical singing. And so I made my career as an opera singer and musical theater performer, got to travel the world in my um, 20s and 30s, and so that was super fun. And then my husband and I decided, you know, we wanted to get married and have babies, and so we came off the road. And then I kind of settled into that, you know, stay-at-home mom thing. And where? Sorry, know, let me interject for a second. Where did you guys uh, settle, if you don't mind me asking? So we we had settled in um, just outside of Washington D.C. The company that we were working for on the road was stationed um, outside of there. Uh, now we are currently living in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm jealous. Kind of a circuitous route to get there. We can chat about later. I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we were settled down in D.C. We um, we had one child, and um, he was two. I was pregnant again. You know, I was just kind of in that, like, I don't know, that slump that moms get in sometimes where you feel like, you know, it's all drudgery and you don't appreciate any of it. You've got this great life, but you don't really, don't really appreciate it. Um, and I was 34 weeks pregnant with my second child. And so I had this, of course, you know, the giant to-do list that you have before your, your baby is coming. I actually kept the to-do list because it's, it's very enlightening these times when I start to feel stressed out about all the things that I have to do. Um, you realize really quickly how important those things you have to do are. Um, because I was showering one morning, noticed a lump, um, and thought absolutely nothing of it. Because I was the absolute, like, poster child for if it gave you cancer, 
I absolutely did not do it. I've never even taken a drag off a cigarette. I made my own cleaning products out of like vinegar and baking soda. Really? Um, you know, I was super careful, organic diet and not using the microwave and storing my food in glass instead of plastic because I was going to live to 100 and <laughs> not get sick. Um, but I did find the love. I was at my OB appointment for 34 weeks. And uh, I was sure enough that it was not cancer that as the doctor was walking out the door, I said, I'm sure it's nothing, but um, would you come back and just like take a look at this? I found this lump. I mean, I know it's, it's probably nothing. He came back and checked it and said, I'm not sure that it isn't nothing, um, or I'm not sure that it is nothing. He sent me downstairs, and that started the whole, they had a, a breast center down there where they could do an ultrasound and a biopsy. And within, gosh, like I had to wait over the weekend, so I think it was within like three or four days. I had the positive um, breast oh. cancer diagnosis. I'm so sorry, and uh, it didn't affect the the, the testing. Uh, didn't the like the X-ray or ultrasound? It didn't affect the baby. So ultrasound was all right, but there were a lot of um, things that they couldn't do right away while I was still pregnant. So that made it kind of tricky. They were trying to balance. You know, wanting to get me started on treatment, wanting to see exactly how bad things were, but you can't do a lot of the things that you can do, um, you know, if, if you're not pregnant. And so then the, the question became, how long do we wait um, knowing that this is an aggressive cancer that's negatively affecting your health, but also wanting to make sure that, um, that your son is viable. And so we ended up waiting to 35 weeks and four days, I think, for Carson to be born. So that was, uh, that was exciting. And he, because he was a preemie, ended up going to the NICU. And the same day that he got out of the NICU was the day that I started to do chemo. <laughs> so you can imagine what, uh, what a fun time this was. We had a two-year-old at home. Um, and I always say about it that the worst thing about it for me was that I'm such a planner. And I always say I wouldn't buy a vacuum cleaner without researching it for a month first. But we, um, we had so many decisions to make so quickly. And about things that we really didn't know anything about. You know, they're asking you to choose surgeons and do you need to get a second opinion? And, you know, would you like to wait to start this or do this now? We recommend this. And even down to things like we were living in a two-bedroom apartment, I was told um, that I wouldn't be able to care for the kids by myself. So my parents were kind enough to come up and move in with us, but we had to move apartments while all of this was happening, um, you know, about the last few days of my pregnancy. So it was really a lot. Wow, it sounds a lot. And um, so how, how quickly did they have you in for the surgery? Um, so with mine, they had hoped that it would... Um, that they thought it was only in one spot, that there was just the one lump, and they were hoping to really shrink it, and then I wouldn't have to do the total mastectomy. They would be able to just do a lumpectomy. Um, over the course of treatment, it, I did respond very, very well to chemo, um, but they found some other spots that had been there, and oh. once they knew it was in multiple places, it had also already spread to my lymph nodes. They didn't feel comfortable just doing the lumpectomy, so I did 
chemo for, gosh, um, about six months, and then um, took a couple of weeks off because I got very sick at the end of chemo and was actually hospitalized with a silly like cold that just my body couldn't shake. Um, and then I did end up having the mastectomy after that. And then um, recovered from that and then did 25 rounds of radiation. So it was a pretty aggressive, it's, it's called triple negative breast cancer was the variety that I had. And it is very aggressive and they don't have any sort of ongoing targeted treatment for it. Like sometimes you'll hear women take something like tamoxifen for particular types of cancers that can stave them off. And this um, particular type of cancer does not have any kind of long-term treatment like that. So they really, um, with most people, will throw the book at it <laughs> right at the beginning. But you're, I, I, I feel, I don't want to jinx when I ask this, but you're, you're, you're cancer-free now, yes? I assume so. So this is one thing that I, I guess maybe it's not a myth for every kind of cancer, but I, I expected, like, at some point they're going to, like, pin a badge on me that, like, congratulations, <laughs> you're, I, I never even heard the words, you're in remission. Um, what they refer to it as is no evidence of disease. And um, I go in periodically and get blood work done. I have elected to not do, I mean, you can do um, all sorts of scans. I elected not to do them because, um, you know, I feel like if I'm feeling good and my blood work looks good, I don't want to go looking for trouble necessarily. Yes. Because um, it gives a lot of anxiety to do those um, scans. But so far, I am eight years now um, past diagnosis and this particular type of cancer recurs often during the first five years but after that it's it's pretty rare for it to come back so i'm i'm keeping my fingers crossed uh that no evidence of disease continues that's amazing um i'm so happy for you my uh my my mother-in-law is a breast cancer survivor so i uh so many of us too many of us yes it's it's a horrible disease and uh i i wish that i wish that we could eradicate it but uh this is the world that unfortunately that we live in but um so have you had a chance to maybe do uh research since to find figure out maybe how that was possible like you said you never smoked you never you you made your own cleaning products i assume it wasn't hereditary it wasn't i don't have the BRCA gene that um is the one that supposedly makes you more likely um you know it's one of those things i feel like you could drive yourself crazy speculating on it and that's one of the things that i uh, people who are in treatment right now that's one of the most common questions that you get as a survivor is what did you do to get it and what have you done that you haven't gotten it back and i don't think necessarily that you know, that it, it was necessarily something I did. I've read a lot about cancer being a metabolic disease and that, you know, certain things in your diet, you know, too much sugar and those sorts of things can can do it. Um, you know, I think I, I was sort of, I'd spent a couple of years not being very happy and it's possible that that had an impact, but I think you drive yourself crazy trying to come up with like, you know, what did I do? I don't think anybody gives themselves cancer. I don't even necessarily believe that those smokers <laughs> give themselves cancer anymore, like I used to. But um, but I think it was a great lesson for me 
that, you know, we're not promised a hundred years on earth, no matter how careful you are. Um, you know, and that really was my worldview that it's like, if I could get myself an A plus in life, that, um, nothing bad is going to happen to me. I'm living right. And, uh, I mean, we know that's silly. It sounds silly even to say it out loud, but I really did think that like it came as a complete shock to me that I might, you know, not make it to a hundred. And I, it had honestly never crossed my mind before. And your relationship with your kids, it didn't suffer uh, because of your diagnosis? No, it was it was really fortunate. I mean, as miserable as it was having a two-year-old and a newborn and being in chemo, um, it, it was fortunate that they they know about it because we talk about it, but they, they weren't really scared at the time. They didn't get it, um, and they don't really have memories of it. And, and I was very careful with the little bit of energy that I did have. I used that to do things like take the two-year-old to the park or, you know, sit and play a game of something. I, I handed off a lot of the care of the baby to my parents. They're super close with my younger son um, because of that. Um, and I really struggled because even, you know, like the, the newborn baby smell is like such a, a, a stereotypical, like, oh, mothers love that. It actually would turn my stomach during chemo. And so a lot of times I would have to, you know, I'd wake up and I'd be feeding him and then I'd have to hand him over. Um, so it, it was really hard for me, but I don't know that it was necessarily hard for him. <laughs> and uh, so you've got your, your, your clean bill of health, and uh, that's amazing. And I read, um, I was reading your profile, uh, just doing my homework. Uh, you, you became a minimalist, and I, I'd love to hear that story because it's, it's honestly, it's something that, you know, if I didn't have a wife and kids and dogs and and all this responsibility, I, I, that would be something that I would uh, be totally into, you know, packing up and, well, not necessarily packing up, but like my idea of a, uh, living a minimalist life is like living out of a, like, a, like an RV. Yeah. So I'd love to, I'd love to hear about Absolutely. your adventure. So, okay, so. Oh, and sorry, sorry, before so you start, we, we be, get through all this. Be, before you start, sorry, I just wanted to ask one quick question, um, uh, did you do this because, uh, it was like, uh, was it, re I guess what I'm asking is, was it related to, uh, the cancer or your diagnosis? Yeah, so, I feel like, you know, all of us go through some sort of trauma or hardship in life and I think it's really really hard to not come out the other end changed um, and especially you know those of us that are really I, I felt like I came out of it better like this was like the wake up call that mm -hmm. like you know you're, you're floating through life you're waiting for things to be better you're waiting for like circumstances to magically align but you you can do what you want to do you know and you need to do what you want to do because if, if you died next year is this what you want your life to be and so we um my husband had been working a job that was really um it was sort of soul-sucking is the wrong word it was in the theater industry he was the chief operating officer of his theater company but he traveled all the time he worked crazy hours um, and you know, the more that we looked at it, it was like, we're living in a town that we don't necessarily want to be in. Um, you know, this job isn't fulfilling him. 
Um, and so we ended up, he left the job and now we're in a situation where our kids were homeschooled. I am self-employed. My husband was then self-employed and it's like, let's go somewhere else. And we started talking about it and, uh, we couldn't decide where we would go. So then the decision became, well, why don't we get rid of everything that we own, um, and travel for a while and see where we end up. And so that was what we did. We chose the throw a grenade in your life sort of an option. And um, we sold our house um, and almost everything in it. We, um, we uh, gave my car to my parents. And uh, yeah, so we took off. We ended up, um, we spent several months just traveling around the United States. We went up to, um, to see Niagara Falls. We visited a bunch of family. And then we went off to Spain. For a bit, we spent, uh, you're allowed on a, a U.S. travel visa to Europe, you get 90 days. So we spent 89 days <laughs> in a little town in Spain called La Herradura. And uh, after that, we went to the Dominican Republic. And uh, we were in the Dominican Republic when COVID hit. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> we, were, we were having a good time there. We liked it a lot. Um, my husband had already um, been approached about taking the job here in Las Vegas. So he was working in Las Vegas. I was in the Dominican Republic with the kids. And uh, we ended up making a hasty exit, uh, the boys and I. Uh, we left, I think, on a Monday, and they closed the border on Thursday. Wow, that, so, that was pretty close. Yeah, it was very dramatic and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so was that just the period of time you don't live a minimalist life now? Oh, absolutely. We're still that way now. I, You know, it's funny because that's another thing, that once you have had to look at everything you own and find a new home for it, I think it completely changes the way that you look at possessions at all. Um, you know, they, they talk sometimes, you know, about that Marie Kondo, like, only keep the things that spark joy. Well, I got rid of hundreds of things that spark joy. I mean, I remember sitting, like, with my, my, my older son's baby blanket and just sobbing because I'm making a donation to give to the local Humane Society. And I know this is going to be in some dog's cage, and it's tremendously important to me, um, but it doesn't fit in with this new life, and it's just stuff. But it was stuff that I loved. Um, so now I think we really look at, um, for a while, we lived almost... I think almost three years we were in furnished places and we didn't have anything other than the suitcases that we were traveling with. Even when we came to Vegas and my husband had taken a job here, we were still getting furnished places because I just thought, I don't want to deal with having to get the stuff again. <laughs> now we, we are in a house that was, we're renting a house that was unfurnished. So we did get some stuff, but it was kind of a nice serendipity because when I was leaving, I put a bunch of stuff on like the Facebook marketplace and Craigslist and that sort of thing. I got here, I bought a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, but we're very much like, if you saw my office right now, it's a folding table. It's, uh, you can see I, I put a little curtain behind me to make it look, you know, a little less echoey in here. There's a rug <laughs> on the floor for the same reason, because <laughs> when I talk, it bounces around. But we've gotten the very minimum. I've got a, a bed and two nightstands in my bedroom. Um, you know, we don't need dressers or anything like that because we don't have a lot of clothes. We've got the very basic stuff in the kitchen 
and uh, you know, a couch, a coffee table, a place to eat. But you know, the, I think the stuff going through the experience of letting go of all of it made none of it seem that important anymore. So with everything I bring in, I think, am I okay giving this to the Humane Society? And if the answer is no, then I'm not even sure that I want it. Because um, it, it does feel, it's horrible getting rid of it all, but boy, it's awesome on the other side when you can just go anywhere. Moving is easy. Um, yeah, it, it's just an immense flexibility. How did you... How did you work on the on the road? So I am a singing teacher, oh. also a blogger, but um, but most of my income comes from teaching singing. And I was fortunate that when I was leaving Maryland, most of my students wanted to stay with me. So I actually I can show you because we're on video. But I have a <laughs> tiny keyboard. Awesome. <laughs> that has a tiny case, and I do my singing lessons via Zoom. Um, the only place it didn't work was in the Dominican Republic. The um, internet was not fast <laughs> enough, so we, I took a little sabbatical. But uh, but yeah, we just uh, thank goodness for Zoom. Everybody now with the pandemic has learned how fabulous Zoom is. Absolutely, um, yes. <laughs> but I was just Zooming before Zoom was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what would you say to... Because you're a survivor, you have the unique... Um, I guess qualifications the right word. Um, what would you say to someone who is going through some similar to what you went through, whether it be breast cancer or, uh, God forbid, any other kind of cancer, and they're in that fight right now? What would you say to them? If somebody was where you know at the at the worst part. Um, I think what I would say is just don't let this crush you. Know that there there is another side and that the other side can look even better than what came before. I mean, I feel like that's, I was mourning so much, um, you know, that I wasn't getting the experience of just the regular mom of two kids and it was summertime and I wasn't getting to, you know, go to the beach and, you know, have fun with friends and all that. And for a while, I got really, really just, like, angry about it. And um, and, and just feeling like life was never going to be good again. It just it, Treatment dragged on for so long. And I just thought, how does anybody recover from this? And then I really started purposely trying to dig into, like, okay, let's let's find what's good even with this. And then you you find what's good with this because there was a ton of stuff that was was great. You know, having parents that were able to come and like live with us for six months was a tremendous gift. I desperately wanted to breastfeed. I had breastfed my older son until um, he was um, like two and a half. Um, the ladies in my community, I reached out to some some women that I knew. We collected enough donated breast milk that my baby was exclusively breastfed for like three months and had breast milk to drink until six months um, just from people in the community that out of the goodness of their heart you know would bring it by um, and so you start looking at things like that and it's like life is awesome anyway and then you get to the other side and it's like well now you know I'm back to where I, I ran a marathon since then I've hiked the Inca Trail since then you know we've been out on a 
catamaran, you know, cruising in the British Virgin Islands. And, you know, it's like all this cool, cool stuff has happened. We sold everything and traveled wherever we wanted. And I feel like if I hadn't had that experience, like to wake me up and remind me like, oh yeah, life is for living, get after it. And and also had to sort of forge those those skills in the fire of like, okay, how are you gonna get through this? If failure is not an option, what are you gonna do? Um, you know, it, it works out your muscles. And then later, something kind of bad happens and you're like, not as bad as getting diagnosed with cancer when you're pregnant. <laughs> or, not as bad as whatever's happening to happening to you. It, it like it makes you into a warrior, and um, it, it sucks when you're in it. But if you can just keep putting that one step in front of the other, and just know that there is a top to the mountain, and then it's you know back down on the easy descent, and um, it's it's worth it to go through it. Life well, is better on the other side. Well, that's amazing, and uh, I gotta say, I mean, I know we talked about it off air, but when are you writing that book? <laughs> I think that, and I think that you're uniquely qualified to um, have a, have an opinion about this kind of stuff, and and ultimately you turned a, a negative into a pretty big positive. Yeah, it really it really feels that way, and like I said, I feel like it just it wakes you up like that. And and like I mentioned earlier, I kept that to do list from the day before with things like. Make sure you make some freezer meals, you know, <laughs> you know, don't forget to clean out this closet. And, you know, and it just seemed so important. And I just remember being, you know, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do We don't have to do any of that stuff, you know. And meanwhile, we're missing life around us. And so I, I really have tried in the years since to, because you do fall back into it. You know, I, I absolutely am guilty now of sweating the small stuff from time to time and you know if you can remember it's not all that important this is your life enjoy it um you know we'd all be a lot happier i'll tell you a real quick story just one quick story um my first wife uh one of the most important things to her when she was pregnant um we used to go swimming every day and she would make me cover her with a towel because in her head, if the towel is up, nobody can see her get in the pool and see how huge she is. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and it, it feels it, it feels important. And But we've all got tons of stuff like that. But it's just, you know, we're wasting our energy. We're wasting our time. We're feeling bad when we could just be, be enjoying life a whole lot more. So, um I got if, if I have any message to spread, it's just, you know, simplify where you can, you know, get routines and stuff in place when you can. Know that you can think your thoughts on purpose and, um, you know, gradually change the way that you think about stuff. And, um, and if you can choose your thoughts anyway, choose good ones and enjoy your life as much as possible because we don't know how long we're going to be here. That's amazing. And uh, talk about your, your uh, you, you still teach kids. You, uh, right? So let's talk about little kids and big kids. <laughs> I teach plenty of adults also. Let's talk about that. Tell them your website and uh, don't forget to include your favorite song that you like to teach. Oh, gosh. So, um, so I have two websites actually. 
if you're interested in singing lessons, I teach everybody from like little bitty beginners um, to people who are, you know, looking to pursue this, you know, more seriously, either as an advanced amateur or as a professional. Um, and I love adult beginners too. Those are, that's always my favorite. Uh, my favorite group to teach, but AnissaHeartline.com is my website for that. Um, that's my my maiden name, and uh, so that's uh, for singing teaching. Um, and I also uh, write a blog called Mama Goes Beyond, and that's at MamaGoesBeyond.com. And I write about you know if, if you need help with your own getting rid of everything, minimalism kind of journey. I write about that there. I write about habits and systems and routines and choosing joy on purpose. So you can find me those places. That's amazing. And thank you so much for for coming on and doing this interview. And uh, I, I really appreciate it. And I am so in awe of your your journey and the fact that you – you know, you got this this news, and you did not let it uh, keep you down. You got back up. Thank you, thank you. I always say failure was not an option because I had babies that needed me. So it's a pretty powerful motivator. And good doctors, I had good doctors too. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so that's going to do it for today. And thank you again so much for for coming on and. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best, and uh, I'm going to check out your blog. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day.